Hello everyone and welcome to episode 278 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo and I am the CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre where you'll find an awesome writing community and some fantastic writing courses. I'm here with my co-host Alison Tate, author of the popular Mapmaker Chronicles and Adaban Cipher book series and also my co-author in an upcoming book. How are you, Al? I'm feeling very co-authorish, actually, now that you mention it. <laughs> is, that a, is that a thing? Can you feel co-authorish? Actually, yeah. you know what I am? I'm slightly embarrassed. That's what oh, I am. Because in the sort of due diligence that we had to undertake with regards to our upcoming book, which we yes. are going to talk about at some point, honestly, we'll stop vague podcasting, what is it, vague casting about it, mm-hmm. um, I had to revisit my author page on Amazon, okay? Oh, yes. So because, you know, we had to update all the information and do all the stuff. And mm. I went to this page that I, you know, which I talk about as part of my Build Your Author Platform course and all of that sort of stuff. I talk about the importance of having having one and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so I go there and it was about, I reckon, 18 months out of date, yeah. If not two years out of date, which Mine is was really more. embarrassing because yeah, it didn't ha- it didn't even mention my bio did not mention the Adaban Cipher novels at all. Oh my! That God. will go to show you how. Yeah. So it was like they were all linked and everything. They all appear, but mm. there was no mention of them in the bio or whatever. So, you know, Al's tip of the week mm. is to if you haven't revisited your author page on. Uh, Amazon at Author Central uh, for a little while, then my tip is to actually get in there and have a look at what you've got. And the thing is also, like I noticed, um, which is something that I, I hadn't really thought about too much is, you know, there's a spot there for you to have a video, which will only take a raw video, not a like a YouTube link or, a, or anything like that. So um, I'm going to actually actively film something to put in that spot. I haven't done it as yet. So, you know, if you get there in a couple of months, you know, we're talking in April at the moment. So if it's June and it's still not there, can you send me an email, um, please? And say, Al, remember you are going to do that. Um, uh, because, well, no, seriously, because, um, you know, there's valuable real estate there that I'm not utilising properly. Uh, yeah. So if you've got an author page and you're not utilising all of it properly either, uh, give some thought to what you can do there. Um, and so go and have a look at mine because, you know, it's been a while, uh, mm. amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Al Tate, and you will now see that the Mapmaker Chronicles and the Adaban Cipher novels are mentioned in my bio, which I'm very proud of. And you, Val, what does yours say? now oh I had to update mine too and it was yeah a long time coming not sure I'm going to include a video but I have to say you're becoming a bit of a video queen Al you recently released a video uh, (laughs) well really in time for the school holidays encouraging parents on encouraging their kids to have a journal I thought it was really interesting actually and about about the reasons why you would encourage your kids to have a journal and what it should not be so one of the things you know like maybe you can explain what it should not be because people might be confused about what a journal is like dear diary I have a crush on this boy like no no well yes if that's if that's how you're feeling that particular day no uh look the reason I did it was it's actually the third I've done a little I'm doing a little series and part of the reason I'm doing it is because you know that I have this absolute absolute horror of video because I really don't like looking at myself very much so I've got a real and so one of the things that I decided this year was that I was going to get over that um Mm -hmm. and the way that I've done it 
<laughs> is probably not the tack that most people would take. So what I decided to do was um, on the days where I'm doing feedback, or not not every time, but you know, on certain days when I'm doing video feedback for my uh, kids' online creative writing course, which is through the Writers Centre, it's called the Kids Creative Writing Quest. Um, but to do the video feedback for that, generally speaking, you know, I put on the authorial blazer, I get out the banner of glory, and I set <laughs> it all up so that we, you know, like we've got it. I do all that, but it's yeah. still just kind of me. Um, with my fabulous working writer hair and my working writer glasses. So there's not really hair and makeup involved or anything. And I thought, well, the best way for me to get over broad like videoing is probably just to do it when I'm feeling quite natural about things because I've just spent an hour or so talking to kids about their writing in my usual fashion with my hands waving and my hair flying. Um, so I basically just continue that onto my Facebook page with a live broadcast, usually on a Friday afternoon because that's when I'm generally speaking doing my thing. So the first, I, I've, this is my third one. Um, I did it specifically for the school holidays and it was, as you said, about keeping a journal. So what I talk about in that video and you'll find it on my Facebook page, I'll put a link in the show notes if you'd like to go and have a look at it, is basically that I think what happens is that we say to kids, you've got to keep a journal and kids immediately go to what they learn at school about mm. recount. Recount is a thing, right? Mm -hmm. So recount is where they have to, they start in kindy and it's kind of like it's them, you know, reviewing what they did and it's this happened and then that happened and then this happened and then that happened. So they, if you if you journal like that, you end up with I woke up, I had wheat bix for breakfast, <laughs> you know, I went to school and it's kind of, it's not exciting for them. And it's yeah. certainly not exciting, you know, to read later. Although there are always ideas in that stuff as well because it's just about, you know, the way that they pro process the narrative process. But the best part aspect of journalism, I think, is to encourage them to to choose one little thing that happens in their day. So one thing, uh, something they see, something they feel, like one tiny thing, like a leaf they picked up, one little thing that they do and, like, describe it or talk about it or discuss the feeling. And what you get out of that is a whole bunch of little snippets of different things that can jump off a story, you know, starters for them. Mm. But also from my perspective, and the reason I talked about it was because I was tidying up my office, you know, as I want to do every once in a while to try and <laughs> get through the blitzkrieg of mess that I have here. And I came across this journal that I took um, so when I turned, when I was 17 and I finished my HSC, I went to Thailand with a friend and my friend's mum. And I, it was the first time, because I'm not a huge diary person, it's not really how I operate, but I took a, um, I took a book with me that, that my dad had got from, you know, excess at the office or something. And I wrote every day, I wrote about this trip. And it's very much, a, it was, I mean, honestly, like some of it is just eye-rollingly funny. Um, but the thing that I found interesting about it from my perspective now as a writer was the voice of that diary because the voice of that diary is is 17. Like it's Al, teenage 17, and it's so incredibly annoying. I can't even begin to tell you. Um, it's kind of really smart arsey and it's really – but also very funny and also a very particular view, view of the world. You know, I was so excited by the fact that you could get $1 cocktails in Thailand and nobody <laughs> checked your ID, right? So it was like it was big. I was having a great time by the pool with the umbrellas in my cocktails. So all of that kind of stuff is in this diary. So if I was going to write YA, I would yeah. I would 
immerse myself in that voice. Um, and mm. Jenna talked about that. Jenna Guillaume, if you remember, when we yeah. um, interviewed yeah. her a few episodes ago, she talked about the fact that her teenage diaries had inspired the voice for her book as well. Um, mm. And I have to say, it is actually a really valuable exercise. So if you've got something like that, drag it out and have a look. I mean, you will die a million deaths at how annoying you were, <laughs> but you will also also find some absolute comedy gold in there that I think you can use to, to really tap into that voice. And that's the kind of thing I, that I think kids – you know, like this is the kind of stuff if you write, start doing this when you're 10, you know, by the time you want to come to write middle grade when you're 30, you have just got a whole world of material right there, you know. But it yeah. just gets them started with that notion of, of finding the story, finding the detail in the story, and I think it's a great exercise. And I have just talked for far too long about that. So I'll put the link in the show notes if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> so Al is obviously very passionate about helping kids uh, get into the world of writing, and one of the fantastic things she, she does is the Creative Writing Quest for Kids, which is just this fantastic program where there are exercises. She, she delivers all of her lessons via video. And there are lots of exercises that kids can do. And at the end, they come out with a fully fledged, proper, proper well-constructed story, which is then sent to Alison and she provides feedback on it, like direct personalized feedback via video. So if you want to check that out, go to writerscenter.com.au slash quest. That's writercenter.com.au slash quest. Now, let's move on then to something quite different. So for listeners who are regular readers of either our blog or our newsletter, they may already know this. But for those of you who haven't read those things, wanted to bring this to your attention because we've got so much feedback on it. Oh, and there's my doggy that I have to let out of the door. <laughs> We're very professional we really very are professional, very, very professional. professional. So we got a lot of feedback on this particular uh, tidbit of information because so many people's minds were blown. So listeners, you may have heard of the phrase before that uh, you know he or she is going uh, is going to get their just desserts on something, you know, mm. and so you've probably heard of the phrase just desserts. But the thing that was blowing people's minds that we received so much, so many emails about was that everyone thought, so many people thought it was just desserts as in D-E-S-S-E-R-T-S, -S -S -E as in dessert, like what you have after your main meal, you know, like cake, mm. like banoffee. So, be, and, and for all their lives, they've thought it was just desserts as in that word with the double S as in referring to the cake. And I don't know why. I think it's because maybe it's, you know, there's lots of references to cake, like you have your cake and eat it too or, you know, those sorts of things. But in fact, it's just desserts as in D-E-S-E-R-T-S. -E really? That is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. I know. Because even when you look up the Macquarie Dictionary, the word dessert with one S, so not the cake, but the word dessert with one S is a noun that means that which is deserved, a due reward or punishment. That's why you say, oh, he's going to get his just desserts. Mm. Yes. So this whole time, so many people think it's the cake. It's not the cake. 
it's not something the case. else entirely. Wow. I know. See, you can always rely on the writer's centre to surprise you. <laughs> and get excited about such things. Speaking of surprises, <laughs> did you happen to see in the So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community Facebook mm-hmm. group this morning, I don't know if you saw this, Valerie, because mm-hmm. if you didn't see it, you are going to be so incredibly excited. Yeah. Um, so it was posted by our friend Nigel Bartlett, who had been listening to the golf updates as one does listen to the golf updates okay word of the week alert the abc radio national sports presenter used the word vicissitudes (laughs) this morning it was in reference to tiger woods and the vicissitudes he's been through that's right that's right i did read that you were doing cartwheels i was i was in bed when i read that and i almost did a cartwheel (laughs) Almost. Let's not get too carried away. (laughs) Yes, I was very excited when I read that. So thank you, Nigel, for pointing that out. And uh, Mm -hmm. good on you, Radio National, about Tiger Woods. Not that excited about Tiger Woods. No, no, but about good on you, Radio National, for using the word, right? Yeah. Mm-mm. All right, moving on. What do you got for All us? All right, yes, moving on. Okay, so um, we have a giveaway this week. We have three copies of The French Photographer by Natasha Lester. Woohoo! So, yes, woohoo! The latest novel by author and awesome Australian Writer Centre presenter Natasha Lester is The French Photographer, inspired by the incredible true story of Lee Miller. Vogue model turned one of the first female war photojournalists. Crossing a war-torn Europe from Italy to France, the French photographer is a story of courage, family and forgiveness by the best-selling author of The Paris Seamstress and A Kiss from Mr Fitzgerald. So if you want to win one of three copies, just go to writercentre.com.au slash win. Entries close 29th of April. That's writercentre.com.au slash win. Now, Al, since we were just talking about it, are you ready for the word of the week? Well, I don't know if I am. I feel like we've done it. But, you know, that's okay. I can brace myself. I'm okay. so ready. I'm so ready. Noisome. So N-O-I-S-O-M-E. Noisome. Mm. Like that was noisome. Mm. Do you know what it is? No. It sounds like something that Kath and Kim might use, actually. That was noisome. <laughs> Don't you reckon? Noisome dance moves, Kel. (laughs) I did not think of that, but yes. So it's actually not what you think because the word looks like it describes something or somewhere that's full of noise, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. noisome. You're so noisome. But Mm -hmm. don't be fooled. It does not mean that at all. It actually means having an offensive or disgusting smell. Oh. So it's, yeah, like sm- Well, that's a bit counterintuitive, isn't it? I know, it is, but noisome, look up the Macquarie Dictionary, means having an offensive or disgusting smell. I can use that on my boys after sport. Yes, you could, you could, you could. <laughs> All right. Go and have a shower, you're noisome. <laughs> exactly, and they'll just get really confused and start talking more quietly. We can only hope. <laughs> yes. All right. Our writer in residence this week is none other than the lovely Tanya Blanchard, who, of course, is one of the alumni of the Australian Writers' Centre. She has done uh, various courses at the Australian Writers' Centre and previously released her debut novel, The Girl from Munich, and now has released Suitcase of Dreams. So let's have a chat to Tanya. 
Thanks so much for joining us today, Tanya. Thanks for having me, Valerie. Congratulations on your latest book. This is so exciting. For readers who haven't read it yet, can you tell us what it's about? Um, The story follows uh, Lottie and her family as they migrate um, to Australia in the 1950s. They leave um, post-war Germany behind and all the chaos. But as they come to Australia with their hopes and dreams for a future for their children, um, they realise that it's not all that they thought it would be. And they live life as new Australians in a strange new country um, with all its ups and downs. Now, in case some of our listeners aren't familiar with the start of your own personal story into the world of writing, your debut novel was The Girl from Munich, and a lot of that was inspired, as you've mentioned in a previous podcast with us, um, from stories from your grandmother. So can you just give us a brief rundown on your career until you got into the world of writing? Yeah, I was um, I was a physiotherapist to start with. I'd always loved writing as a child, but um, I went into physio as, as a career um, and I worked in that for many years and it wasn't until I actually um, stayed or came home and uh, spent some time with my children after they were born that I started writing again and I wrote stories for them. And um, so I was working part-time um, and um, writing part-time and, and uh, decided that I needed writing as is more more fulfilling in my life and um, tried to uh, follow the path of, of possibly being published one day. Yeah, and you did it. So the girl from yeah. Munich, um, you know, is brilliant and now you've got Suitcase of Dreams and then you've got a third book in the works which is already has a name, hasn't it? Yes, Letters from Munich. Letters from Munich. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Berlin. Letters from Berlin. Berlin. Okay. So there's obviously a strong German influence in all of this. Tell us a little bit about why. Um, Well, this, um, when my grandmother died, she left a lot of documents, photos and memorabilia behind. And obviously that's what I based the first two stories on. And this third one is also based on a letter that she received from a family member um, who was obviously still in Germany during the wartime. And this, um, this story actually is based on this letter um, about a family member with a Jewish mother and a German father and what happened to this family during the wartime years and also in the aftermath. And so you've, this is your second book and people often talk about the pressure of the sophomore act, you know, the second book syndrome kind of thing. Did you yeah. experience yeah. any of that? Because, you know, you do spend a lot of time polishing your first novel and then suddenly you've got to write your second novel and what many authors find is they don't necessarily have a, the, the, the same time frame to get the second novel out and so and they feel a lot of pressure for the second book to be as good as the first one. What were your experiences? Yeah, I certainly did feel that pressure after the first book was successful. Um, but luckily I was um, I really was familiar with the characters in the story, so that helped a lot in being able to get into the second book. Um, certainly um, the writing time I uh, had to structure a little bit more carefully because I was a little bit more time poor. Um, so I found that that made a bit of a difference um, by just watching the way I used my time. Um, I had a lot of research there ready to go. And so that that certainly um, made the process easier to get the book finished in in a tighter time frame. And so, um, with this uh, third book that you're currently writing, do you already know 
what your fourth book is going to be. Do, is it going to be along the similar vein with a bit of a German influence or are you going to try something completely different? Well, I'm not actually sure, to be honest. I could go one of two different paths. I could write another German story, but um, there, there is another uh, post-war story or wartime story that I'm looking at, um, possibly um, from the shores of Italy. Um, my father is of Italian background, um, and so there are stories in his family as well that I'd like to explore. But whether I do this for the fourth book, I'm not sure at this stage. So you obviously enjoy writing historical fiction. What kind of research did you have to do for this book? Because obviously you weren't around then. So what sort of things did you have to find out? And if you can talk a little bit about your research process. Yeah, sure. Well, as I say, I was very lucky to have documents, photos and memorabilia from my grandmother, and they were from the war years in Germany and right up until the present. So she was um, a great keeper of all of these treasures. Um, so they were very helpful as a first point of reference. Of course, I had the stories that she had given me as well growing up. So um, between the information that she gave me and, um, and the stories that she also gave me, I was able to scaffold the story. And between those points, of course, there was a lot I didn't know. Mm. Um, and so then it was a case of doing research um, by reading, um, reading first-hand accounts, um, watching documentaries, um, just researching anything I could about the era, any little points that she might have brought up in her documents or in, in the photos that were useful or in the stories I researched further um, by reading on, um, online and books as well. And um, any, any people that were around that I could talk to about that time, um, even those that had lived through it, um, certainly I followed up on those sorts of things too. And so can you give us some concrete examples of some things that you might have researched, like you thought, oh, I need to find out more about X and what was the path? Actually take us through, you know, first I looked up this, then I looked at this at the library or read this book or, you know what I mean, just to get yeah. some concrete examples. Um, well, I suppose with um, Suitcase of Dreams I was really um, uh, fascinated to understand um, the life of immigrants um, when they came in the post-war period. It was a difficult time because they didn't expect to um, have the difficulties when, when they arrived here. So what I wanted to find out, I knew that my grandparents suffered some difficulties. My grandfather couldn't work in his profession um, and they took a while to find their feet. Um, so um, what, I, what I wanted to do is find out how migrants um, were involved in, in shaping Australia in that time, how, they, how someone like um, Eric in the book might have vented his frustrations. And I discovered that migrants were very involved um, in the trade union movement. Mm. Um, so I found some really great information online from um, first-hand accounts of those that had been through that time. I researched and read some historians' accounts as well about the history of the trade union movement in the 50s and 60s. Um, and it was very involved, heavily involved but with migrants um, uh, lobbying for equal rights, for migrant rights and for a better Australia. And in the process I found some really fascinating information then um, also online but also um, I found documentaries also. But this particular information was about the role of communism and the trade unions and how um, ASIO was um, 
watching certain people who they thought had communist um, backgrounds or or leanings, um, particularly in the trade union movement, and these people were um, almost black banned on a on a on a black list. Um, mm-hmm. So that was really fascinating to discover that sort of information. Um, and then being able to weave into the book the the threat of the communist movement at that time. It was real reds under the beds and how I could weave that into the story. So it came from lots of sources, um, uh, letters my grandparents had written, but mm. um, then most most of it was then uh, researched by historians' accounts and first, first-hand accounts of that time. And so did you do any um, library research, like you know, get your hand, get absolutely. your hands dirty into the library. And what yeah, were you looking for? Like, were you looking for specific things or did you turn up at the library and go, oh, I just might research this era? Yeah, no, I knew that I was looking for the post-war period. So I was looking for um, accounts by migrants of their mm-hmm. of their time. And that, that actually provided a really valuable source. And that was another like sort of um, jumping off point for um, more heavy um, historians um, books. Uh, so I went from there then to um, reading some um, historical um, uh, books on, um, on on the period, particularly in regards to communism and trade unionism. Um, they were a bit more heavy going, of course, but that gave me the really good background that I needed um, from from the first hand accounts from the books that I found in the library. Yeah. So on a practical level, let's say you um, are reading some of the first-hand accounts or some of the historian um, documentation, uh, obviously there's stuff that comes from many different places. So on a practical level, how did you store this research? Did you, you know, read it and keep it in your head and let it absorb or, or did you you know, copy it and paste yeah. it into something. How, how, how did you actually yeah. wrangle it all? Yeah, well, I, I used a couple of different methods um, and I'm I'm not sure to date still which is the most um, useful or mm-hmm. beneficial. Um, I actually read everything that I could and wrote notes as I went. Um, and I on the with the online stuff, a lot of it I, I then actually um, – copied into into documents just as far as um, being able to uh, keep them under heading so I had the information all in one place. Um, but I, th- I think I have found still writing things out by hand the most useful way of doing things. I think somehow it sticks in my head a little bit more. I was then able to categorise the information using highlighter pens um, and work out um, what information was re- relevant to which book, to which to which part of um, the story I was writing. Um, so I had, you know, areas of um, social change. I right. had, uh, you know, uh, sections for communism and trade unionism. I had sections for um, what was happening in the migrant camps at the time, um, what people uh, were were wearing. I mean, even small things like that, what they, what they were listening to, um, mm. what things were on at the movies. So all of that had to had to come into it, and they were all under different categories. So when I came to writing, I think I I had a lot of that information in my head, but it was um, often if I was writing a scene and I was stuck, I would go back to that information. Otherwise, it was second draft. I would go back and then work out what I had missed of that really rich uh, information that I had, and and pop that into the second draft. 
And so when you were writing your notes, were they notes about that piece of history or were they notes like, oh, maybe Eric can do this? No, it was more Eric about being that. your main character yeah. in these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mainly, mainly notes about what had happened at the time. But if I found something particularly relevant that I really wanted to use, I'd write in big red letters at the top of the page. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Okay. So when you were in the depths of writing your first draft, uh, tell us, um, what your typical day would be like. Did you try to smash out a certain number of words or did you, you know, just go with flow? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I always um, tried to set out um, to get a particular number of words done each day Um, and depending on the week that I had, um, usually I would try to work four days a week and write somewhere around sort of 1,700 words a day. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes, you know, sometimes it didn't always go to plan. Um, Usually at the beginning of the day I had an idea of where I wanted to go with the story, Mm -hmm. Um, but by the end of the day sometimes I would be in a totally different direction to what I thought Mm -hmm. or sometimes I would need to stop halfway and and do some additional research for something that had come up that I hadn't expected. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was generally working um, school hours pretty well. I've got three kids still at school. Mm. Um, so, so this is my quiet time in the middle of the day to work. And, um, uh, on a practical level, again, how many hours really were you at your computer during those school hours? Cause you know, we can always be tempted to do the laundry or, <laughs> or, or things like that. Yeah, for when sure. Um, and, and that was a, that's a real challenge, but, um, I was pretty diligent that I would sit down at my computer um, by 9, 9.30 at the latest um, each of those four days and generally I'd be able to work till about 3.30 um, and in between I would good. have maybe a half-hour break. That's great. Okay, so are you? how far into your third book are you? Yes, that's a very good question. Probably not <laughs> as far as I should be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm about... Um, I'm about realistically about halfway. Um, I'm a little bit uh, behind time at the moment, um, but I've just recently gone back after the Christmas break and edited what I had already written against what I said that I don't do that. But this time I felt like I needed to to get my head around where the story had started and where it was going. Um, so I did some pretty edit, pretty heavy editing for a couple of weeks and now I'm back on track <laughs> and I feel like I can write forward again and, um, and know where I'm going. And so writing your third novel is very yep. different to writing your first novel because you've learned so much more about yep. the entire, not just writing process and creative process, but the publishing process. So can you talk to some of the things that you're doing differently now that yep. you were doing in the first time around? Yeah, well, for sure. Um, the first thing would be I'm not writing as many useless words. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm trying to be a lot more thoughtful about um, uh, how I'm using description and narrative. Mm. Um, I, I know a little bit more now about how to write good dialogue um, mm. and how that can be a lot more useful to get information across than writing long paragraphs. Um, this time around I'm also able to um, work out my structure of my story 
better in the first draft so that I've got a better sense of where I'm heading with the story. And, again, that helps cut down on the unnecessary uh, writing. Um, and I found I found that really useful. So I've got um, some sheets of paper next to me with timelines of where I'm going, um, the historical events happening around that time and what um, personally needs to be happening in the story as well. So that's helped um, quicken the process up quite dramatically this time around. And finally, what's – oh, well, not quite finally. I just want to mention you, you have done – you did an online course at the Australian Writers' Centre. Um, and what did you find beneficial about that? Yeah, they were fantastic. I did the writing for children and then the advanced fiction writing course. And it just helped me understand the writing process a lot better. Um, I learnt lots about um, characterisation and dialogue. They, they were the two areas I really needed to understand. Um, and, and just uh, understanding um, the flow of writing. I found um, the um, online tutorials really helpful um, and the follow-up with the tutors um, as far as individual writing um, exercises went as well. So that sort of put me in a good space to know uh, how to write properly um, and then I could move forward from there and, and just uh, begin my own process. Well, congratulations on this book. Can't wait for the third one to come out now. You've carved out a fantastic career as a writer, um, as, as, a, as a novelist. What's your top three tips for aspiring writers who hope to be in a position where you are one day? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I think the first thing is to write what you love. Um, if you write what you're what you're passionate about and what mm. feels authentic to you, I think you'll believe in what you're doing and it will come across really well. Um, I think the second thing would be stick to your daily or weekly word count. Um, just write even if you think that it's no good um, because it's the only way that you're going to finish your story and move forward um, and then you can always go back and edit later. Um, and, and the third thing I would say would be don't overcomplicate your story. That's something I've really learnt over the process of the last two books. Try and keep it simple um, and don't get bogged down in unnecessary subplots or side stories. So they were my top three points. Wonderful. And on that note, thank you so much for your time today, Tanya. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Valerie. It was great. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. Our eight-week course, Novel Writing Essentials, focuses on getting your manuscript off to the best possible start. Whether you've already started your opening chapters or just have a story idea, this course will help you shape the beginning of your novel through weekly lessons and workshopping in a supportive online environment. In doing so, you'll avoid potential mistakes down the track and meet the course goal of getting your first 20,000 words of your novel in the bag. You'll also enjoy the convenience of learning online with your very own tutor and classmates providing direct feedback on your writing. You can find out more at writerscentercomau slash novel essentials. That's writerscentercomau slash novel essentials. There you go, Tanya Blanchard, and it's always so good to see graduates from the Australian Writers' Centre doing so well. Now, we're actually recording this a little bit in advance because of school holidays, and uh, mm -hmm. you're going to be heading off to do lots of exciting things during school mm -hmm. holidays. 
I am. Now, you've recently been playing roadie, haven't you? I have. I've been mummaging, as we discussed. I have the, the dual roles in my life. Well, actually, I've got many roles, but just one of them is to be the mummager for my performing You're song. like Chris Jenner. Oh, I'm so just not. Like- yeah, my mum said that to me. She goes, are you going to be taking, you know, 50, like, are you going to lock all his money up? I'm like, all his money, all those thousands of dollars he doesn't make. Are you going to be locking all his money away like Drew Barrymore's mum and dad? And I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure we're not going to get to that point. <laughs> you never know. Oh, I, don't, I doubt know. it. I sincerely doubt I mean, you know, seriously, things would have to be, the, the income levels would have to, to increase exponentially for me to be bothered. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, he had a gig on the weekend, which went very well, tried out some new songs that he has written mm-hmm. and it's always a bit fun. So, yeah, and, it, you know, it's all it's such a non-glamorous life. Like there he was at 10 o'clock in the morning, you know, at the Colbara Skate Park doing his stuff as you do. But, you know, Aww. I think you got to start somewhere, right? you got to play, as I keep saying to him, he needs to write a song about playing to empty rooms because he's – going to be well practiced ah. mm-hmm. well you know look silver chair started like this so <laughs> you know there's a lot of potential i know but look at look at where poor old daniel johns ended up you know like we have yes, to he made some bad some, decisions later in he's life, had some so. difficult he's had some difficult times you know it's not easy yes. being a very creative person i don't think he should all. have gone on to the real housewives of melbourne like the other guy you think yeah. that would have? You think that would have <laughs> sorted him out? I'm suspecting that may not be the case. No. Anywho, so what are Any- you going to be doing this week, Valerie? Seeing as I'm going to be busy. Um, what am I going to? Be? I need to. I this. I sound like a broken record. I'm. But I'm just going to tell the truth. I need to do more pick up, put down because oh, no. the house is really? in a state. My art studio is in a state. I have books everywhere in different piles and I've forgotten what the piles mean now. So mm. it's a bit silly. But anyway, we also <laughs> want to give a big shout out to say, hey, well, I have. <laughs> I've forgotten. Okay. Um, uh, to anyone who's uh, going to come and see us at Vivid, we're part of the official program oh, at yeah. Vivid Sydney. Um and we're going to be at the Museum of Contemporary Art on Saturday the 8th of June at 11am. Tickets are already selling and uh, you can go to the Vivid website to get those tickets. And, uh, yeah, it's a really exciting thing we're going to have. So you want to be a writer live and we're going to have not only us but also Candace Fox, the crime and thriller writer Candace Fox, whose books have debuted uh, number one on the New York Times bestseller lists, uh, the incredible Pamela Freeman, who also writes historical fiction under Pamela Hart, and she's just a fantastic, fantastic uh, author and creative writing tutor and can explain concepts and techniques in creative writing that um, in, in, in a way that's unique and, and really, really interesting. So come and join us. Yes, anyway, do, and bring your questions because we will have questions. a question and answer section. Absolutely, absolutely. So we, if you've got burning questions, if you've been listening to us in your ears all of this time mm. and there's something that you need to say, something that you need to ask, bring it with you. Yes, and thank you for having us in your ears. And if you'd like yeah, to join the listener community on Facebook, it's free. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. All right, Al, where do we find you online? You will find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You will find me on Twitter at, at Al Tate, A-L-T-A-I-T, and you will find me on Facebook and Instagram 
at Alison Tate Writer. I had to think about that. Alison Tate <laughs> Writer. <laughs> That's me. And you, Valerie, where do we find you? You'll find me at Valerie Koo on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Of course, you'll find the show notes at soyouwanttobeawriter.com.au. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercenter.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentercomau slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.